Recording from Title One Studio in Sandy, Utah. Welcome to another episode of Idiot to Genius. I'm Steph Scholl. And I'm Todd Porter. Each episode focuses on individuals that found themselves desiring more. If you're feeling like an idiot, join the club. Make sure to subscribe so you can hear examples of how common everyday people utilize their individual right to life, liberty, and property to break out of mediocrity and to prosper. We're here with Meredith Cook, who is a property investor. She's got a great history or a great path of getting there, and she fits right into the overcoming and achieving and ultimately succeeding, which is what Idiot to Genius is all about. So Meredith, can you share with us a little bit of your history and what transpired? To start out, I got married too young, and I was told that I was never going to have to work and that I was going to be taken care of. And I believed that and I didn't go to college and I started having babies right away. And it turned out my spouse had a hard time keeping a job and supporting us the way that he said he was going to. That's a little bit important. And so (laughs) we then started moving all the time, never really like settling down anywhere, renting apartments and homes all over Utah, California, Nevada. And after I'd had my third son, my husband had been unemployed for quite a bit and asked if I would go to work for just a few months while he looked for a job. And I didn't feel great about doing that, but I agreed to do it. And so then I started to work and I became the breadwinner in the family. And and we so we settled in Las Vegas for about seven years. And but we never bought a home there and we never could put together enough money to do it, a down payment. And so we were just renting. And our situation there just really deteriorated. And at some point, I knew that our marriage was going to end. And I wanted to get back to Utah to be close to my family in order to do that. Right before we moved, my um, now ex-husband had a heart attack. And so we had to nurse him back to health. And it took, once we got separated, the divorce then, he didn't want the divorce. And so he fought me on it. Again, didn't have like steady income. And so just to get it over with, we took about two and a half years to get divorced. And so I found myself in Utah in a two-bedroom about 800 square feet duplex with three kids and all in elementary school. As they got into junior high, we lived farther away from their school. And I was having to leave work every day to drive to their school, carpool them home. So I started to look for another rental. My, my divorce became final in January of 2010. And so I started to look for another rental that was close to the junior high. Right. And so I was driving around and I happened to see a for sale sign 
um, on a busy street. And I just thought, maybe this is a house I could afford. It's people don't want to live on a busy street. It's an older house. I pulled into the driveway. Um, It was in the wintertime. It was it was dark. It was about nine o'clock at night. And I could tell I think there was a hole in the window. There was a broken window. Yeah, there was a broken window. Peeling paint. Asbestos exterior. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know that at the time. But it said for information, call this number. And it was, I think it was after nine o'clock. And so I thought I was just calling to get like a recording. And so I called the number and and there was a recording that I listened to and I think I left my information and I hung up the phone and within five minutes, my phone rings back and it's Todd Porter. Oh. And he says, I'm the, you called about this property. I'm the listing agent. And, and he said, tell me what you're interested in. And the first thing I said to him was, I, I felt bad because I said, this is probably a waste of your time because I don't think I can afford to buy a house. And he said, let's just, let's set up a time to look at it. And I told him a little bit about myself. We set up a a walkthrough and I met him there at the house. We walked through it and it was one of maybe three properties in Bountiful that were in a certain price range. They were just the cheaper properties. And so we looked at a couple others too. He referred me to a lender and I went in to talk to her and I'm still all this time thinking, this is a waste of time. This is a waste of time. Mm-hmm. There's no right. way I can I can do this. I don't have, I have no assets. I've never bought a home. I don't have cash for a down payment. But he said, go in and talk to this lender. So I did. And it turned out I had a 401k, this little 401k that I'd been contribute that I'd contributed to back in Las Vegas at this job. And I learned that first-time home buyers can cash out a 401k without a penalty to make a down payment on a home. And so I had that little bit of money and miracle after miracle just happened. And we looked at a few other properties, but none of them felt right like that first one. And after it took about three months, but we ended up closing on that property 12 years ago. I think tomorrow is the anniversary of. <laughs> Incredible. One of the things that you pointed out was miracle after miracle. But but the key to that whole transpiring is because you pulled the trigger. You actually moved forward. You just took it one step at a time. Yeah. And because if it wasn't you taking those one steps, those small steps, there's no way for the miracles to be happening. Yeah. And I do. I remember you telling me when we started looking at what my payment was going to be. It was about $200 a month more than my rent was at the time. And I said, Todd, I don't know if I can, I barely can afford this, these rent payments. I don't know how I'm going to come up with another $200 a month for this mortgage payment. And you told me that 
when it comes to an investment that things fall into place and that if you will take that step into the darkness and take that risk, move forward, that somehow things just work out. And and I don't think that means that by things you can't afford, they buy extravagant luxuries that that you don't have the money for. But I do believe because that is exactly what happened. Things just worked out. And my situation improved enough a little bit in other ways that I was able to afford that payment. I just had to stretch myself a little bit and right. and things took care of themselves. I want to ask you a little bit more of an emotional question because okay. here you are with all these little kids. This is your first property and you're nervous. I don't know if I can make the payment, but how was it like moving in with your kids to this house that you got by yourself? It was so it was really amazing. So my youngest son, he has a higher sense of urgency about things. He had a tendency to be like a little more obsessive about things. Mm-hmm. So he went and saw the house with me at the beginning. And so he would have been about 10 at the time, 10 or 11. And he was the one, besides Todd, he was the one pushing me every day. What's going on with the house, mom? What's going on with the house? What's the next step? Do, you know, have you made an offer? Have what are we waiting for next? What happens next? And so he was really pushing me. And he came and looked at, walked through some of these properties with with Todd and me. And and Todd asked my son, which one do you like? And he said, you know, this first one, the one that we ended up buying. And Todd said, why do you like this one? And he said, it just feels like home. And so he knew from the first time that we looked at the property um, that it was meant to be ours. And moving in, into that house where they continued to grow up, I finished raising them there. They all went through junior high and high school. And he he just had that feeling that was our home. That was where we were supposed to live. And these moments is why I stay in real estate, is why I keep doing real estate. I left corporate America where I was a hatchet guy and came to real estate. And when my wife first saw me weeping because of the experiences that I have with people, the one-on-one personal experiences, she went, you should have done this a long time ago. And this is just one of the greatest the experience I had with Meredith, and this is just the beginning, guys. This is just, we're just getting started into this story. But this is a story that I weep about in a positive way, regularly just thinking back about the 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 progress that I've seen in your life from that moment until now. It's just, it's incredible. It's a game changer. Yeah. You and I had several conversations during, just during that time, you know, that very first time we went and looked at the house, the backyard was a mess. It was a jungle, this overgrown. And Todd said, there were these two pine trees that were taking up almost the entire backyard. And Todd said to me, 
if you buy this house, I will come back in the spring and cut down that tree. It's huge. It's taking up way too much room. It's taking up your whole yard. And so if I were you, I would cut it down. And if you want it cut down, I'll come back in the spring and do it. And not knowing him yet, I thought these real estate agents will say anything to sell the house. <laughs> like, he's full of crap. <laughs> and so we closed in December and in March or April, here he comes in his truck, in his grubby clothes with his chainsaw, and he's up there chopping that tree down, and he was good to his word. But between, you know, that first showing and that time, we had, because of all of those little miracles that happened, we had all of these long conversations that mm-hmm. it was like, I can't believe this just happened. I can't believe this next step happened to help us move forward because we kept hitting roadblocks and it was like, oh, it's not going to go through. And then something would happen and all of a sudden it we would overcome that obstacle and we would be able to move forward. And we, you know, both just kept sharing all these experiences and we cried together multiple times as, as it was all happening. And so we formed this this friendship and and this trusting relationship that has continued 12 years later. Something that uh, I don't even know if you and I have really talked about. I think so. But the seller, when the seller was selling the house, and this is such a huge tip. When the seller was selling the house, the seller said, I will only do X, Y, and Z. In other words, I'm not going to do any fix-ups. I'm selling as is. That's the situation. When Meredith put the house under contract and the seller met Meredith, which did happen. We had the seller meet Meredith and the seller said, um, the seller ended up contributing, coming in and adding value, fixing up some of the things that needed to be fixed up, some of the things that need to be repaired, which was a miracle. She was already buying the property that was a great buy. It was one of the best buys out there. And the seller went against what they originally said they were gonna do and they actually came to the table and brought funds and so forth to the table. Yeah. And that was before she even, she hadn't met me until after we closed. So she started to agree to things as you were telling her about me. And um, it was a unique house. It had been built by her dad and and she, it was her childhood home. Yeah, And so the home had a lot of sentimental value yes. in her mind. And it turned out her dad, as he was building the house, met her mom, oh. who was also a single mother, had a couple of boys. And they, he asked her to marry him. And she initially said no, and lived down in Richfield. And when she told her coworkers that she'd been proposed to and said no. They said, "You're crazy. You know, you need to marry this guy." And so she reconsidered and she packed a couple suitcases and she rode the train to Bountiful and walked up to the house that he was in the process of building and he was standing out front and she walked up behind him and said, "I changed my mind. I'll marry you." And 
So they got engaged right there in the front yard of that home and then raised their family there. And he made additions to the house. And I actually requested to meet with her. Most times you don't meet the Mm -hmm. seller, but there were so many unique things about the home. There were notes written inside drawers and cabinets and on walls. And and I just wanted to know all of, you know, what there were all these little mysteries in Mm -hmm. the house. So I asked Todd, I said, after we close, do you think she would meet me there and tell me I want to ask her questions? And he said, she would love that more than anything else. And so we did. And Todd brought, I brought my video camera and Todd filmed the two of us walking through this home and her sharing all of these stories with me and explaining that why this note is here and what this means. And, and so she and I bonded a little bit, but more than anything, I felt a connection to her dad. Mm-hmm. And Sometimes as things would break or go wrong in the house and I'd have to fix them, I would find myself trying to connect with her dad and suddenly the like solution would come to me and I would know what to do and how to fix it. And so it just was, it was another connection. I almost feel like I'm related to, like, I have this kinship with Mm -hmm. the man that built this home in 1941, who I never met, who died in the 80s or 90s. Mm -hmm. These properties have histories and and so there there was a lot of power in that. And I felt I felt like her parents wanted me to have this house. And because I was a single mom. You know, I think she had this like softness and developed a softness in her heart for me before she even met me and started to want me to have this home. She didn't want it to just go to a stranger. And so she started to agree to, okay, I'll fix the electrical. I'll fix these things. And and so we it just was a really neat experience the whole process i didn't plan on getting into this but i think we ought to let's tell the story of where the seller when i was with the seller kept looking for money and because her parents were great depression people that lived during the great depression she said i know there's money hidden in this house and multiple times when we were in there she'd be looking around she said i know there's money in here somewhere and I helped her look around. And we looked around and looked in cubby holes and so forth, and we could never find any money. And after closing, and Meredith is in the house, I get a call, and Meredith says, we need to meet. You need to come down here, and we need to talk about something. So I think it was the next day. Yeah. And I think I hadn't ever even met your wife at that point, but I wanted her to come with you and tell you what had happened. So... I think we'd been in the house for about two weeks because I was finally getting things unpacked after work every night, put away, staying up late, trying to get a functional, you know how it is when you first move, Mm -hmm. get your kitchen functional and bathrooms functional. And so when the house was built, he did not waste any space. So there were cubbies and closets and storage areas that had been utilized to their maximum potential. And so there was a closet in kind of the mudroom 
laundry area where I was keeping all my cleaning supplies, so my brooms and mops and everything. And there was a food storage system built in there where you could put cans in and they would roll. They have a modern version of yeah, it yeah, now, yeah. but he had invented this. And, That's cool. In this closet. So I was in and out of that closet getting my broom, getting my mop, and had spent the whole weekend trying to get things like clean and put away. And so it was after midnight on a Sunday night, and I was finally getting done. And I went and opened this door to put the broom away after I'd swept the kitchen floor. And I'd been in and out of that closet all day and all weekend. But when I opened it that time to put the broom away, I looked down and on the floor was a navy blue bank bag. I don't know how it got there, how it appeared on the floor where um, just out in the open. But I looked down and I didn't recognize it. I'd never seen it before. And all the like hair on the back of my neck stood up. And I reached down and picked it up and it had a zipper on it. I could tell it was old. Mm -hmm. And I opened, it had the name of a bank on the front of it. It was like a deposit bag. Mm -hmm. It's Farmer's Bank and they'd gone out of business long ago. Yeah. Open the zipper on the bag and it's just full of cash. Wow. And this like creepy feeling came over me and I was standing right there by the exterior door and I reached over and locked the door and took the bag into the bathroom and closed and locked the door and I took the money out and it was all kinds of bills and even a little box that had some coins in it and I sat there and I started counting it and there was $5,000 in cash in this bag. Oh. And I just sat there thinking about, at that time, $5,000 would have been life-changing yeah. to me. Yeah. I was thinking of all the ways that I could spend that money on this house. Mm -hmm. and, and I closed it up and I put it in a safe place and I went to bed laying there like thinking about legally this money belonged to me yeah because i bought the house and all of its contents and so with that logic i tried to convince myself that i could keep this money i knew deep down who it belonged to and so i wanted to give it back to her in a way that would be meaningful to her and but the way that it had come about was so strange that I wanted to tell Todd about it. It was just another strange part of the mm -hmm. story. And so Todd and his wife came over and I told them all about it. And so we devised a meeting and I think we filmed that we as well. We did. Uh, we filmed that as well. And when she came, she had no idea what she was coming for. Uh -huh. And she came and... and Meredith had identified other areas of the house where she he she found her dad's signature or mm. notes and things like that that the seller didn't know about. So she started off 
sharing that with her, showing her those different areas. And then we culminated with explaining about the money. And the thing that I'll never forget, as Meredith is explaining, showing her the closet, showing her where the money bag had been found, explaining everything that Meredith just explained. I turned to the seller and I said, is there any way that, that you know of that money bag got there? I mean, we looked, there was nothing up above. It couldn't have dropped out of anywhere. It is. It came out of nowhere, absolutely mm -hmm. out of nowhere to be there. And the seller said, no, I can't think of any way. And I said, so what does this mean to you? And she started processing. And all of a sudden the tears just started pouring. And she said, it means that my mom and dad are still looking out for me. It was a incredible moment, incredible moment. And she had recently had a back surgery mm -hmm. or something, and she had all these medical bills that she needed to pay. And so that money was going to help her in, in that way. And I didn't share that story with very many people for a long time. Part of the reason was I didn't want anyone to think that there might be more money oh, hidden yeah. in the house yeah. and want to come over and start looking. I also felt like by giving it back to her and doing the right thing that um, I believe in karma, that mm -hmm. those <laughs> things would come back to me. And so I... I didn't want to draw a lot of attention to myself yeah. for doing that, but I can say now that $5,000 has come back to me multiple times, tenfold, if not more. I don't regret making that. There's never been a second where I've thought, if only I'd kept that $5,000. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Well, I'm so glad that, that you've shared this because First off, as you're talking about just all the details with this house and how it came about and all these where you're like, it was just you had all these obstacles, but then everything just kept on working out. It just was that reminder to me because here uh, I'm in the title industry and we have so many people that are buying and selling houses. And it's just a reminder that be behind every one of those closings like it's someone that really is securing a house for their home like you had your little boys and just even as you were talking I feel like we all got emotional because it's cool to be able to provide that for your family and just the but like the cool story of the them getting engaged and everything like each house has its history and yeah yeah. And the human factor. Yeah, the human factor. Yeah, that's, that's what we're was. looking for yeah. is the human factor. Now, from there, there was something that we talked about early on in regard to the house. So Todd said to me when we first looked at it, the other thing he said, if you buy this house, he said, don't ever sell it. I always tell people not to sell their first house. You know, it, if you buy another house, keep this one as an investment. And I didn't understand that process yeah mm -hmm. how that worked and but i thought okay i'll keep that in the back of my mind and he said unless um he said what you need to know about this property is it is next to a um family set estate of other rental properties and that family has tried to buy this property for a lot of years but they didn't 
want to pay what the asking price was. Mm -hmm. My property completed like a two acre Mm -hmm. corner, basically. And I actually became friends with that family's son. And as we were talking, I said, when your parents pass away, they were getting older, what are you kids going to do with these properties? And he said, we do not want them. We're going to sell them to whoever will write us the biggest check. We're just going to sell them all together. And so Todd knew, and at that point I knew too, that whoever bought that other, those other properties would want mine as well. And so I kept that in the back of my mind. And so I did like finish raising my kids there. As I was living there, I got remarried. And that having two incomes, we started looking for something else that was ours. And so we were able to buy our own home together. And we kept that home, that property as a rental and had tenants move into it. And then sure enough, within about a year and a half, these other property owners, both of them passed away and the kids, you know, let me know that uh, they were going to be listing it for sale. Mm -hmm. And as soon as they did, I started to get phone calls out of the woodwork from strangers. Anybody who was interested in looking in buying these other properties wanted mine too. And so we started negotiating and looking at different options and what if I kept it and what if I what if I keep it does it increase my value and just analyzing and evaluating all the options and which she is a master at <laughs> analysis and evaluation <laughs> and so forth she's great at it. Yeah, Love it. I, I'm too good at it <laughs> yeah ultimately ended up selling that property for more than I could have sold it at the time. Oh, you sold um, it at a premium. And, but quickly turned around and reinvested it into an, another uh, property that, that I still have as a rental home. The story kind of continued of like just prosperity and it being a, like a blessing in, in my life and, and continuing on. So that's awesome. I just want to know, so yourself 12 years ago, right? Do you think that she would be like, wow, (laughs) to where you're at now? Oh, yeah. (laughs) I laugh now at um, after that closing meeting, when I wrote that check here, I cashed out my 401k to buy this home. Mm -hmm. And that was all of my savings. Mm -hmm. I was... 35 years old and starting over. And I remember being in my car and driving away from the closing thinking, have I made a huge mistake? Like I just, I, I don't have a dime, you know, left Mm -hmm. in my savings account because I just put it into this home. And now I laugh at the fact that at one point I thought that a little 401k was a better investment than than real estate. <laughs> That's part of the idiot to genius process, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. 
And I like hearing that because we all get afraid at times. And that's what this is like, Todd talking to the beginning. It's overcoming that fear. And so your story really, I love the detail that you went into because I could, as you were talking, I could picture when you found that 5,000 and how you're like, that would change my life drastically. Yeah. But how you said that's come back so many times. And now you sold that property and you have another investment property and yeah when Todd told me that that the podcast was called idiot to genius I laughed and I thought you know a lot of people might be offended by the word idiot and (laughs) but because I'm an analyzer Mm -hmm. I I think words are important Mm -hmm. so I started looking up what does idiot mean Mm -hmm. what does genius mean and Idiot, now a lot of times we use it to call somebody stupid. Mm -hmm. Originally, the word idiot just meant that you were a common person. You were, you didn't hold a high political office. You were just a private citizen and maybe kind of ignorant. Mm -hmm. And, And the word genius a lot of times implies an innate uh, skill or ability or strength. It's something that you're born with. And and another definition of genius was using your power to influence someone for good or evil. And so I thought about you using your knowledge and experience to help me see strength in myself. And so genius that you had, you shared with me and helped me discover genius inside of myself that I was born with, but didn't know was there and, and helped me overcome my ignorance. It wasn't, I wasn't stupid. I just needed, I just needed help and I needed information and I needed confidence and all of that helped me overcome my fear. And I still will probably, I'll probably never be the, have the boldness that you have, but um, we need other people in our lives to help us, give us those like pushes that we need or to help compensate for weaknesses that we have. And it, we just are always going to need each other for those things in life. There's not a point where I'm like, okay, I don't need Todd anymore because I can do this by myself. Like I'm going to always need you to help me push me when I'm dragging my feet. <laughs> and my husband is the same personality. He's more of an action-oriented. Mm-hmm. And so we complement each other that mm-hmm. way. Everybody that comes into our lives, we bestow some form of genius onto them. Totally. And it's about the team. It's about the yeah. unity coming together and helping each other to be better. Yeah. Because you've helped me be better. You, you've helped the, again, the hatchet guy the hard numbers to be soft and to weep. You, you make me weep regularly. When you and I are together, it's like I'm always weeping. Either, uh, either crying because you're laughing or <laughs> For one reason or another, my eyes are sweating when I'm around Meredith. 
to end, I just want to ask your advice. If there's a first-time buyer out there listening, whether a single mom like yourself or someone in a different situation and they're afraid to move forward or they're analyzing for a long time, what's your advice to them? My advice to anybody that I talk to is just do anything that you can to... um, to start investing in real estate. I mean, to, if you can, if you are renting and there's a way that you can buy and seek out experienced people who can help you along the way, I think that's my biggest advice is just to, and I send people to Todd all the time when they start talking to me about, I want to buy a house, but I don't think I can yet. I'm like, I know who you need to talk to. (laughs) (laughs) Because like you said, I loved what you said with the different words that that Todd is. I call him the genius on here and he'll shake his head, but he knows his stuff. He's been doing real estate for a long time and can help. Yeah. And part of it is what he said early on today was just his passion for, for it. He cares so much that like he he really wants people to experience that home ownership and and so he he and he has the tools and the knowledge and the experience to help other people do it and so and when it comes the reason why i shake my head or the reason why when you come yeah. to genius is because it truly is an ongoing process you go from idiot to genius to idiot to genius and you're continuing, that's how you grow. You're just adding to it. And you've got to be at it and really being the idiot, you're just out of your comfort zone. Mm-hmm. But you have to be willing to go out of that comfort zone so that you can succeed. And that really summarizes our whole, the podcast here, Idiot to Genius, where the individual right to fail unleashes the unlimited potential to succeed. It's the American way. That's what it's all about, is there's no floor, And so there's no ceiling. As long as there's a floor, there's always a ceiling. So we need to focus on obliterating the floor so that we can obliterate the ceiling and we can all succeed at a high level. To all our listeners out there, remember you get to choose your title company. So remember, there's a reason why there's a one in our title.